Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Change in one form or another is an inevitable part of life, but often the period when change is biggest and therefore our need to adjust is greatest is when we're parents. And while change can be exciting, offering new experiences and opportunity for growth, it can be daunting and difficult. With me today, I've got someone whose career has been focused on helping couples, families and individuals adjust to changes in their lives. Dr. Fran Smith is a counselling psychologist with over 10 years of experience supporting people of all ages adapt to their lives when they're facing challenges around change. Fran, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi there, it's great to be here. Change is, change is something we're all kind of hardwired to, mm. to deal with, but there are some people that find it hard at different mm. stages of life. What, why is this? You, it's something you don't really think about, you know, not yeah. adjusting to change. I think when thinking about adjustment, it's important to recognise that we, we are evolved uh, to adjust. This is why our species is so successful. It's something that happens and that generally happens automatically and naturally. We're always adjusting to our environment. Absolutely. Some people are really nervous about change. Um, I'll often meet with people who will describe themselves, for example, as controlling um, and can't sort of bear when they don't know what the next thing is going to look like. I think for me, what's really important is that people realise that our brains are all wired the same way, you know, they're all structured the same way so that we all have the ability to be very flexible and adjust. So some people who feel that they really aren't, they have as much opportunity to become and to sort of retrain, if you like, themselves as being flexible um, than, than everybody else. But yes, there are sort of factors and processes that make it harder for some people than others. And in your experience, do you find that the, you know, the periods of adjustment in life, some are easier than others? Or is it kind of a bit of a lottery and some people adjust really well to certain experiences, whereas others find that much more difficult? Yeah, I, I think it's really about what's going on for those people at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So what relationships you're in, what else is going on in your life at the moment, how you generally are within yourself at that time, whether this change is something that you wanted to happen or, or not. You know, there's there's so many factors around it that there's obviously smaller adjustments and larger adjustments but you know I'll meet with people where for example in a couple one of them is retiring that could seem really straightforward but in a household in that couple it's a really big change you know or children leaving home 
I'm, um, I'm definitely going to need to see you when that happens. <laughs> but, you know, so there's, yeah. there's these things that at the point, if you have young children, that sort of seems sort of easy in comparison. But these really significant changes to life can be difficult as well. Yeah, and actually, I suppose if you think about life, it really is just a series of adjustments mm. and how well you cope with life is how well you adjust to them. I mean, probably one of the toughest times in my life was um, going to boarding school, mm. which is adjusting from sort of being at home to mm. being in, in a much larger environment with sort of less love and, and more, more opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and presumably preparation is really important too when it comes to facing a big adjustment. Yes, I think how change is talked about um, and how whether you're allowed to feel things around change, that can be really key as well. So in a household where um, no one really talks about things that are coming up and there's not a lot of warning, that can be quite difficult for children, for sure. Um, but also if where you are allowed to be scared of change, because that's perfectly normal, um, and can talk about the difficulties you might be having with it, that's also obviously really helpful. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the, the kind of challenges that new parents face mm -hmm. when it comes to adjustment. Yeah. Um, because I think probably when your first baby's born, mm -hmm. everyone tells you, God, your life is going to change, your life is going to change. Mm -hmm. um, and I just it's don't think so you shocking. ever quite realise it, do you? Mm. No. And I think that, you know, I was having to think about adjustment and sort of when you start to adjust in parenthood and perhaps it's even when you start you decide to try to get pregnant you know these things can happen sort of right from the beginning but if you think about that particular that adjustment to having a baby for example the first baby is um that it is it's like a portal into a new world that you suddenly are in and there is certainly preparation and you know antenatal classes and sort of talking to people you can do all kinds of things um to prepare yourself but I think a really good preparation is also to know that it's going to take you by surprise. There's going to be parts of it that won't be like you expected. And that's fine. And that's everybody's experience. The experience of actually having a baby, you know, this baby that was safe and being looked after inside your tummy and is suddenly out and you're, you're looking after it. It's, it's sudden, it's shocking. And lots of people actually experience shock so I know I did and if I if I think back to the early days and weeks with my first child it's like a haze it feels slightly like I wasn't there and that's because I was in a sort of some degree a state of shock and I think that's often what happens so we've got the hormones and everything that are carrying us through and it's fine um but we're also sort of slightly smiling unconsciously sort of not really sort of just our brain is having to really catch up with what's just happened I mean, you're totally right and actually this is something that sort of mm. isn't really articulated but I just remember so well have, having my first child and him being placed on my chest and thinking oh my god <laughs> they were right it is an actual baby and at the time I felt a bit embarrassed to articulate yeah. this because they would have thought mm. stupid woman mm -hmm. but it's such an extraordinary thing being yeah. able to grow a whole new human being I'm sure there's a little part of every one of our brains that just thinks I just don't know if this can quite be true. Mm. It's um, it's so huge and overwhelming. It's almost like we can't fathom it until it's there. And I still, every time one of my friends has a baby, I'm just trying to get, wrap my head around. The last time I saw you, that was that baby was in your tummy. It wasn't a bump. It was a baby. And I, you know, there's something just so 
totally enormous about it. Um, and so it is, it goes from abstract to concrete in moments. And, uh, and so it's a lot to wrap your head around. So that experience of shock, you know, lots of the other adjustments are uh, slightly more predictable or gradual as well. So pregnancy, you know, mm. obviously you've got the moment of doing your test, but you'll find that there's increments along the pregnancy where you feel sort of closer to having baby, getting bigger gradually, and that change is happening gradually. I think as well when you have children and they, you know, I think of parenthood as one long adjustment process. So you're always adjusting to the needs of your child at that time, which change hugely, you know, over the first few months, you're required, totally different things are required of you at eight months to at two months, for example. And so, but that's happening gradually and you are sort of, it's flowing, Mm -hmm. if you like. Whereas obviously the, the shift from not parent to parent is is quite sudden. I think one of the hardest things that people cope with is the adjustment to being ultimately responsible for keeping mm. someone alive, but also slightly out of control. Mm. And I suppose, you know, with pregnancy too, you know, you suddenly you aren't in control of your body anymore. Mm. You can't just get up and go to work even if you don't feel if you're feeling awful or your body is not letting you do something. I think mm. that's what people find mm. hard to adjust to. But then also we are used to being in a position of power mm. and directing our lives and having mm. lunch when we want to. Mm. And then suddenly your baby's born and you realize that even though they're tiny and they can't communicate that well, mm. they are totally in control. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, I, well, I think one of the things that happens is that very often we have almost an illusion of control before we have children and then we realize perhaps we were never as in control as we thought we were ever so you know absolutely uh pre-children very often if everything's going to plan and things like that you sort of decide what you eat when you eat when you you know go to the toilet things like that but um but of course life is always open to uncertainty and you know part of the adjustment area that I've worked in is in where where people and their families are adjusting to a chronic health problem some sort of health problem or some other kind of change with how their body's functioning and of course all of these things we don't um ever kind of know are going to happen and I think that adjustment to control and your relationship to control is is really important because in a way um often we can feel like we are going from being in control to not being in control, <clears throat> but actually it's far more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one that is is very plain to see and, and hard to ignore. And, you know, people are not, we like certainty. We like the idea that we know what's going to happen. Um, but of course we never really do know what's going to happen. And so in terms of how we adjust successfully, Mm. how do we do that? Mm. And do people, do some people find that easier than others? Mm. I think what's really important is to recognise, as I was saying earlier, that adjustment is a totally natural process. And in a way, if you think about even just how our brains are wired, so this idea of neuroplasticity, so that kind of we've got these billions and billions of pathways in our brain um some roots are very well traveled uh so these are our kind of mental habits if you like 
But if we do something differently, and we do that a number of times, we set up another well-traveled pathway, and the other ones get kind of, they can get slightly overgrown, you know, or, or if we keep using both, then we've got more pathways. So this is what's happening on a physiological level. So it's available to all of us. I think in terms of the research and the literature and what it shows us, there's really, really key things. So I'd say always, and I'd always put this first because I think in our society today, we tend to put it sort of too low down the list, but we know that social support, in terms of if you're adjusting to change, and of course, if you're adjusting to becoming a parent, it is so key. Um, and what do you mean by social support? You're not necessarily meaning social services. You're thinking <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. sounds a bit of a scary word, but yeah. it's like friends and family coming around and yeah. having a chat and having company, basically. Exactly. It's a research term for connection and yeah. communication, basically. Yeah. So you, um, it's about your, it's the quality of your relationships that you already have. So you may be surrounded by lots of people, but are you able to be honest with them? Are you able to be vulnerable with them? Talk to them about things that are, are troubling you. Are they attentive? Are they, can they listen? Can they see when you're struggling? Um, but also we know, so in the context of parenthood, you know, how important it is to set up kind of new communities as well. So sort of if it's knowing other parents for both, both parents actually so helpful to have support of kind of have your experiences normalized, share in other people's adjustment process, learn from them and share what's difficult. All of that can be really, really important. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, we talked about the attentiveness. Yeah. Actually, when you're in the family stage, when you're with little children, you're so much more likely to listen to friends of yours with problems mm. regarding little children. If you're totally not in that zone and you're out partying and mm. that's much harder to listen to. So I suppose in sort of finding your attentive audience, it is just making sure that they have a similar life to you. So they're in the sort of vaguely the same zone, which I guess is one of mm. the reasons why an antenatal class is so important. I certainly found for me, it was, it was crucial. It was sort of actually mm. one of the first times I really enjoyed my pregnancy because mm. before then I had always been around friends of mine who weren't pregnant I was like the first of my friends to have a child and I was always mm. the one that couldn't do stuff I couldn't drink I mm. couldn't do the sports I wanted I couldn't stay mm. up late I 
couldn't really wear the clothes I wanted to. Mm. And then suddenly I was in an environment of an antenatal class and everyone was in the same boat as me and it all became about the excitement of what mm. we had in our bellies. Mm. And that for me was so important, finding a receptive audience that mm. got me at that time. Mm. Absolutely. And I think as well, so it might be, there's a part of it that will be people who are at a similar stage to you. I think it's also really helpful with 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 parenting quite helpful to know people a bit ahead yeah. you know you being the first as well that's that's quite challenging because it's also really nice to know you know have people whose kids are a bit older and you sort of have a sense of what might be coming around the corner and the type of change that's required as well but as well I think it's a lot to do with people so you may also have somebody who's at your stage but is far too preoccupied with what they're coping with they might be really struggling um you may have a friend who isn't in in the in the same uh part of life as you but is particularly good at that they know you you know and they might really under sort of get why you're struggling with that as well so I think I think it's really really helpful but also it's useful sometimes to have a kind of look around who's in your life and identify you know very often we've got people who who are really helpful in different ways you might have friends who are really really fun um but you wouldn't necessarily open up about particular things with them or friends who you you know are particularly reliable you know so sort of really get a sense of who's around you and um and what's there and what you might need you know mm-hmm. but also to have a look within your relationships and have a sense of where things might get trickier and what you then might want to work on in terms of your communication because there are obviously some relationships where you can kind of take a break from each other and if you're not that close to a certain friend for the time that your children Mm. are different ages that's not the end of the world Mm. but obviously with your partner that's Mm. different Mm. um and i think that very often i mean we um teach obviously you teach Mm. bump class and you do the sort of second babies class and I know this is often a big conversation is you know the adjustment as a couple Mm. but also how different partners in the same relationship adjust to different things and often if one of them finds it easier in certain parts and the other one finds it harder it can present real problems can't it yeah absolutely I mean as a couple you are adjusting across a lifetime together you know, and and of course, having children is a major, major one, a huge change. And Don't they say it's the hardest part of a of a relationship? Those mm. years when you're having children, aren't they? That they kind of because you're tired. Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard to be. You are so. Um, the demands are so heavy, uh, pulling you kind of sometimes away from each other, and it's really, really natural to find it really quite difficult as a couple in those early months years um absolutely it's a very very challenging time it can throw up a lot because it can can throw up a lot for individuals and of course if you're in a couple then that that happens between you You you've got less time for each other you're Mm. tired just those two things will test a relationship absolutely absolutely and of course all kinds of things you know you're it's um, one of the things about adjustment, what's really, really helpful, uh, which I can go into a bit more detail, is, is 
sort of something called psychological flexibility. So it's the ability to sort of move and adapt um, to different situations. It's the sort of opposite of being kind of quite rigid in the ways that you think about things. And in a relationship, that's really key. So if you're, you and your partner, if you really connect and get on because you go clubbing and you get wrecked together and that's how you connect, you're going to need more. Um, more ways to feel close to each other and to really connect and relax and have fun together when a baby arrives or when you're pregnant, things like that. So um, it's really important to think about almost the breadth of your repertoire of how you are close to each other, how you enjoy each other's company and how you communicate. As well. and, and that's difficult for the couple that love going clubbing because that's probably going to be off the cards for a little bit of time mm. but it could presumably be you know watching something on Netflix together yeah. that you then talk about afterwards and you're sort of sharing the experience of the story and the storyline together mm. but it's something that is I mean listen it's not everyone's cup of tea but yeah. it doesn't need to be like a whole new hobby it could be presumably but if you just don't have the funds or the energy or the time yeah. for that then it could be literally sitting together rather than sitting isolated on your phones or watching your own absolutely absolutely and it's not the type of thing that you can sort of prescribe all couples need to do this together then they need to do this together because it's so individualized it's so about what you're both interested in yeah. and you know but if it's you know, if if you know that it's really lovely to be together when you're laughing, you know, but life is a bit less funny um, in early weeks of having a baby, then, you know, have a think about comedy they both quite like and watch some of that together. Or, you know, it's got to be about what's relevant and, and interesting to you guys, you know, rather than a blanket approach. Um, I think I think there are things that couples can do to prepare though um I think it can be really really helpful to have a conversation ahead of time um and I'm talking now about having a baby you know in that instance to really sit down and kind of check in on even if even if you're thinking about um your responsibilities sort of what are all of your responsibilities? What are all of your, what are the responsibilities we're going to share? How are we going to manage that? There is some work that you can do ahead of time because very often we have lots of assumptions going into having children that we don't even realise are assumptions, but that's because that's how that operated in our family. That's how that worked for us. Um, and of course, you're with somebody else who uh, has different experiences and different um, assumptions themselves. It's really can be really helpful to sit down and and chat that through and also really good I think to have kind of regular check-ins with each other as well to think about sort of how are we doing you know how are you <laughs> dare I ask um and you know what are you needing how could I help more but of course make sure that that's a reciprocal conversation as well because I think it's very very easy to just when you're tired and um you know to just go to bed as early as you can and you'll, you can kind of miss each other and of course that's totally normal uh but it's also quite helpful to, to be just kind of checking in and having quite open conversations about how it's going yeah that communication is so important and I think you sort of talked about visualizing what parenting is going to be like and what mm. kind of parents you want to be mm. I did a podcast recently um talking about that how to be the parent you kind of parent you want to be mm. and then she talked about um 
examining your values and thinking about when your children are grown up, what do you want them to remember about their childhood? And let's mm. start from there. And almost like, you know, when you go to school, there's rules. So everyone knows where they are. Mm. And it's almost, I suppose, if you have a child, you sort of sit down and go, okay, can we have a sort of, not a set of rules, but maybe sort of like a charter mm. where you're like, this is what I need from you. Mm. This is what you need from me. Mm. This is what we'll try and give each other. Mm. Because so often those little, those little, you know, things that you do for each other, mm are really easy to do but you don't realize quite how important they are it's those small acts of kindness mm. it's the fact that god if my day starts and my husband's made me a cup of tea without asking i so love that mm. and it's the flick of a switch boiling a kettle it's mm. that thought and unless really you communicate you never yeah. really know that absolutely and also what's so important in that as well is that if he's listening, he'll know you appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's also that bit about about sort of doing something for them and also being recognised for, for what you're doing as well is, mm -hmm. is really key. Well, they say, don't they, with children, that if you, in order to encourage the kind of behaviour you want, you praise the good behaviour, but you ignore the bad behaviour. Mm. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was really annoyed with her husband the day that mm. I was talking to her. And I was like, well, you, you know this. You know, treat him the same thing. Like every time he does something kind, really make a big deal and mm. just try and ignore the sort of bad bits. Mm, absolutely. And also in the same respect, because really... Uh, we learn in similar ways to how children learn, as you say. The other way is is, is modelling as well. So by yeah, really identifying that you have noticed what they've done and being grateful, then they may see you doing that yeah. and learn that you need that too. So basically modelling the behaviour you, that you'd like to be shown to you, mm. to them. I think very often when I'm working with people, a big thing that comes up is, you know, but I don't want to have to be the one that changes they should change or we should both change and it's all coming from me and it's really really difficult that but if one of you doesn't start to change then nothing's happening so often you can make the first step by being the change in the relationship that you want you can start to do that and then presumably also acknowledging their change even if it's small mm. Mm. you're sort of encouraging them slowly yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think a real theme across this you said about kindness, you know, self-compassion is so important in terms of adjustment because the very nature of adjustment is that we're doing something new. So we don't really know what we're doing. And it's the same as a couple. So you're adjusting and if you are able amidst everything to be compassionate to yourself that that you might be finding it difficult of course that makes sense but also if you can extend that to your partner um that's very very helpful as well to understand that both of you were kind of figuring it out we're so hard on ourselves aren't they I mean mm. I just hear you say that and that should sort of come as well of mm. course you would but then I think about how I talk to myself sometimes and mm. I berate myself and also how sometimes I am unforgiving and I think gosh if my child was starting a new school or learning a new mm. skill would I berate them if they got it wrong and go you can't do anything right can you which is what I, re I very often say to myself mm. um I never talk to someone else like that no and I and I think it's really, really important to check in on that, you know, to check in on your self-critic and um, to identify when that's happening because our expectations 
when in terms of if we think about adjustment, I think one of the things that is is really, really key to think about and one of those factors that makes it harder is, is your expectations. So if you have really rigid, unrelenting standards um, and expectations for yourself as a parent, as, you know, say, you know, all along the way, as a pregnant person, all of these things, um, that's going to make it harder because your idea of how things should be um, is a fantasy. It's not real. What's real is the situation that you're in now. So all of that projecting forward and having a really, really clear idea of how it should be makes it very hard when it's not like that. And I say when it's not like that because it won't be like that. It will be different for sure. It might be better. It might be easier. It might be harder. It might be more complicated. Um, But it won't be the same as your imagination tells you it will be. And that's really, really important to kind of hold that lightly. That's an example of rigidity where you find yourself in a situation going, oh, but they should be sleeping through. They should be doing this. I should not be raising my voice. I should be calm and floating around all day with my baby. You know, these types of kind of expectations and should is a really good way of catching them. Um, Make life really hard because that's not the situation you're in. Um, and so it's useful to find a way to, when you catch that, to try and come back to the present and kind of soften a little bit, um, towards yourself. And as you say, you know, you said like, if your kid was starting school and they were finding it difficult, you wouldn't berate them for it. Sometimes you can use that as a tool to help you be more compassionate to yourself. You can literally say to yourself, if my best mate called me up, and said that she was having the type of day that I was having now, what would I say to her? Would I say, oh my God, get a grip, come on, <laughs> you know, that's terrible, or would I not? Probably wouldn't. And sort of how you can use that as a way to link into the type of language and the tone that you could speak to yourself in. And it's a muscle that, isn't it? Because the first mm. time, it was really on the podcast, I sort of just... I was alerted to the fact that I talked to myself in a really nasty way. Mm. And actually, the more you focus on it, the easier it is. Yeah. I was um, on holiday in the summer. I was staying in Austria and I'd run up the mountain, but it's a really steep mountain and I could never run all the way to the top. And one day I thought, instead of sort of going, oh, useless, you're so useless, Marina, I thought I'm just going to channel that whole positivity. And so yeah. all the way up when I was like gasping for it, I thought I was saying to myself, I wasn't saying this out loud, I'm not that weird. Um, <laughs> you're doing really well go on this is so good and I made it to the top and it was it was amazing to me how that positivity really helped my output and it is it's physical having a new baby there are times when you just feel you know whether it's your first your second your third your fourth there are times you just feel you've got no energy and if that sort of inner voice is saying go on you're doing amazingly well then you're much more likely to achieve it, achieve what you need to achieve than if you're sort of constantly negative, talking negatively to yourself. Absolutely. And you on that run, it's kind of, it's a good metaphor, actually, a mountain <laughs> metaphor. If you think about it, you, when you were talking about it, it's, it's not just that you're saying something different, it feels different. Mm-hmm. It actually changes the sort of tone of the experience. And I think that's what's really important. We know, so lots of people that I'll see, they'll be very reticent to sort of stop criticizing themselves because they think that's how they keep themselves you know in shape that's how they kind of keep themselves in check um but actually we know that we respond far better to a more encouraging way of being with ourselves and others 
you know, that's what actually promotes change. That if we're experiencing anxiety and shame because we are sort of really being very, very hard and kind of cruel to ourselves, that's not a position where we can really um, thrive. That we just shrink into ourselves. And actually, if we think about the context of parenting, if you are kind of having a go at yourself for losing your temper, for example, when you're experiencing that criticism, even from yourself, you're in a kind of threat mode because it feels horrible when that's activated. So from that position, you're in a much more rigid position. You're far more likely to continue to lose your temper because you're feeling terrible. If you can pause, take a few breaths and try and soften and be a bit kinder to yourself, you will also find that the very thing that you were sort of annoyed about in yourself might be eased. You might find it's kind of a bit easier to be a bit more... um, have a like gentler tone with your child for example um so it feeds in really well and of course also in the context of parenting it's important to remember that how we are towards ourselves gets modeled to our children as well so there's loads of reasons to work on this because it's it's way better for us but it's also great uh, for them to see that as well as it is to see us mess up occasionally mm. oh massively and i think In terms of adjustment, I think what's so, so important is to know that it's a process of change. So it's learning. It's learning how to be in a new environment. And that's always going to involve trial and error. You know, and if you... And so, of course, it's important to model that and model acceptance of that, you know. And I think as well it's important to model, you know... um, change is scary it provokes anxiety in us and that's completely natural so if you think about how we're sort of evolved if you think about animals in the wild for example if they are living in one place and they know where their water source is they know where the predators are they know where to get their food they're safer there if they think of moving to another area they're more likely to get killed they might not know where the water is. They might, you know, there might be predators that can see them there that they hadn't realised. And that is why we're sort of hardwired to experience changes anxiety provoking. Because in some ways, in other contexts, uh, it might have been riskier. You know, we don't know that situation as well. So anxiety always comes up. And it's really important to know that that is normal and it's a part of change. And if you can accept that anxiety is going to come up um but also show for example if you're thinking about sort of teaching children about adjustment if you can model that sort of oh you know mummy feels really quite nervous about going back to work today or you know doing this um but of course you know it's really important and we, we need to do it but I do feel quite nervous but I'm gonna do it anyway and you know you can model that type of making space for the anxiety doing something with anxiety there, um, that's really helpful as well. People, I mean, you teach our second, our next bump class, our second mm. babies class, and um, we talk a lot about adjustment in this class. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people think, well, I've had one baby, it's just a, more of the same. Mm. But actually, often it's a bigger adjustment going from one baby to two babies mm. rather than 
from naught to one. Would you agree with me? Well, I think I think there's. I think so. Some people experience it as as greater. Some people find the first, you know, that huge leap um, bigger. But I would say you're you've got more moving parts, haven't you? You've got more people to think about. So a lot of the women that we see at the bump class, they're sort of they're not only thinking about their adjustment, their partner's adjustment, but the adjustment of their child. You know, and a lot of anxiety goes into that, um, which I guess is, you know, it's hard to well, it's impossible to control how they're going to experience this sibling as well so there's there's so much going on in terms of adjustment and um that yeah that there is a lot there's a lot to think about so we cover sort of you know how you might help prepare the child but also you as a couple and you as an individual as well and it's probably worth as a couple even before your second baby comes just having a think about how life is going to change, how you're going to need to adjust when the second baby comes. Because I think very often, you know, for a mum to have one baby, you can pick them up, you can kind of do it on your own if they're not, your partner's not around that much. But suddenly you've got two small people or, well, it, you know, you've got two children with two very different needs. Mm. So even if you've got a two-year-old or even an eight-year-old mm. and then a new baby it's really difficult to do the right thing by each of those children the whole time and so suddenly you are going to need a little bit more support or at least acknowledge how you know your attention to the existing child is going to have to change yeah absolutely and it's useful it's very very useful to think about it together I think as well if you have a, a second child or a third child usually life's already really busy so whilst you as a couple may have talked a lot about the kind of pregnancy and the baby the first time around this baby sort of gets slightly forgotten whilst it's being kind of it's looking after it's you know it's being looked after inside um so yeah we really encourage everyone to sit down and have a think about it I think particularly um you know the person not carrying the baby um can feel really distant from the experience even more so than the first pregnancy because they are um focused on their child as well um, that they already have so it's I think it's really important to sit down and kind of recognize that stuff and to um, have a think about how it's going to work and obviously some people respond to this need to adjust in different mm. ways some mm. people will just naturally find the way themselves mm. some people will go through a kind of period of upheaval but eventually find their way some people mm. hopefully lots of people will listen to this podcast and think mm. okay that's really helpful mm. if you're still finding it really hard yeah. what would you is there are there any resources for people what what would you do yeah i think i mean we've touched on some of the things that make it sort of harder or not but maybe i can go through some more of them and, yeah, and we can great. think about that so so we talked about um social sort of who you've got around you and and relationships but there's also of course lots of other things so I mean there's there's the things that we can't really change but we know that a huge factor is what else is going on in your life so if you've got lots of other stresses at this point if you're managing this on your own you don't have a partner if you are struggling for money if you um experience kind of if you're moving house or you know if you're facing kind of disadvantages and inequalities in life because of your race or all these different things they're known to be significant stresses that make adjustment harder um also if your background in your background if you've got a traumatic background you know becoming a parent 
can be really triggering. You know, so there's all these kind of things that come before. Um, and in that case, you know, it can be really helpful if you're worried about that type of thing to, to um, find somebody to speak to before I meet with some people who from the bump class who want to kind of have a think about things before the baby comes um, in individual sessions with me. Yeah. Um, Examining how they were parented and how that might impact their ability to parent. Yeah, absolutely. Because lots of things can, you know, obviously get get thrown up at that time and it can be um it can be a time where people feel a bit vulnerable anyway yeah. um but there's so much going on that yeah it can throw up a lot of a lot of things there um but also there's a lot of sort of cope sort of personal coping styles that can make it kind of harder um or or easier I guess depending on where you fall on it so I've talked about expectations but other things like um, your relationship to uncertainty. So if you're somebody who always has to know, you know, and that's and that's so common, but um, it, that's really difficult with parenting, right? Because you, you know, sometimes I think becoming a parent can be a lesson in your ability to tolerate uncertainty <laughs> because you, you know, because you're sort of often at the whim of these little people um, and you don't really know how they're going to respond to things. So and there's no explanation. There's no, sorry, they're just cranky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often we're like, oh, they're teething. I remember everything was blamed on teething. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there needs to be a reason we're really bad at acknowledging that it's just because it is. Yeah, and we don't... But in the, maybe, you know, they're really struggling today and actually I don't really know why. And what's that like to hold that? You know, I don't really know what's going on. Or I'm really struggling today <laughs> yeah. and I don't know why. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So so if you're somebody who um, who really struggles and so, do, so is, does lots and lots of worrying um, and, you know, which is, you know, we're talking about this, it's really normal to struggle with uncertainty, but of course there's a spectrum of kind of the degree to which it can cause problems. And it it's can, also really normal to worry. Oh, I mean it's universal it's yeah. very helpful in fact sometimes yeah. <laughs> worry. but if you find yourself kind of you get really stuck in that um then you can potentially have a bit of a think about you know for you compassion is going to be really important because this is going to be really testing for you um you know not sort of unmanageable but you know this is going to press your buttons if you like and sometimes it can be helpful in that type of um, experience to really practice trying to be a bit more present you know worrying is very much uh future orientated and what you'll find with children is that they need you here now, right now. There's their present needs. And so it can be quite helpful in some ways. It can bring people back into the present moment a little bit more. Um, and so practicing that type of thing can be, can be useful there. Um, I think another thing that can be really unhelpful, particularly um, nowadays with social media and things like that, is our comparisons to other people. So how, if you're somebody who very often makes sense of how you're doing through looking at how other people are doing, that's very difficult in terms of parenting, um, particularly if you follow sort of unhelpfully, unrealistic um, Instagram profiles and things like that. I would always say to people, have a look at who you follow if you're on Instagram and things like that and curate a really nurturing <laughs> Instagram feed you know where you want to be sort of following you can go through it and go does this me following this does this make me feel at the end of seeing this post do I feel better about myself or worse about myself you know do I um you know 
the sort of we have this natural inbuilt process where we can compare our inner most vulnerabilities and us at our absolute worst to everybody else's outside projected perfection that's kind of touched up with all of these different um, filters. Um, it's really, really important to acknowledge that whatever you're seeing in other people is their outside and you don't compare your inside to their outside and that's really, really difficult. So if you know that you do that, to really kind of um, try and help yourself to do that a little bit less as well. I think if you are going into something quite self-aware, that can be really helpful. So you know you would have adjusted to change in the past. So aware of what you're going into. Aware of what you're going into, but also how you might react to it. What you might find tricky and what you may what may be totally seamless for you. Um, it's quite difficult to predict that though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think that's the bit. It's about this idea of um, flexibility, of going in with an as open a mind as, as possible is really, really important. So the sort of opposite to having really rigid expectations as well. So we often, I know um, mindfulness is something that's kind of a term that's getting thrown around all over the place, but it's, it's quite helpful, I think, to think about that. If you think, so mindfulness is, is a sort of open-minded, non-judgmental, accepting kind of awareness of the present moment mm -hmm. and if you think about all of those factors those are all unbelievably helpful when you're thinking about change because you know it's really really helpful when you're in the process of change to be where you are now and to be dealing with the situation you're in now all of the kind of oh but I used to be able to do all this this was the past I used to be able to go to the toilet by myself and drink hot coffees and you know all those things or um in five years time maybe I'll be able to do those things again or I'll, you know lots of that that sort of struggling can be that can really make this right now feel harder can be really helpful to practice um being in the present moment a little bit more and being and being kind to yourself of course really really important and I guess remembering that all you need to do is put one step in front of the other mm. And you need to just think about that one step at a time and you will get to the top of the mountain. But, you know, you look at mountaineers who don't focus on the summit. They focus on just that next step and then the next step and then the next step. I remember finding the adjustment to tiredness really hard. Mm. But I remember actually the most stressful part of it was not the tiredness itself. It was the anticipation of how tired I would be later mm. on. Now, that's ridiculous because very often I wasn't as tired as I thought I'd be later on. And yet I'd had spent so much emotional energy mm. thinking this is going to be absolutely terrible when it actually wasn't. So almost just saying, how are you feeling right now? Can you cope now? Mm. Great. Let's deal with how tired you are later on, later on. But before then, there's sort of no point in anticipating mm. how exhausted you're going to be. It's a, that's a brilliant point, Marina. It's, it's, it's such a good example of how ruminating on something makes it far more stressful than perhaps it needs to be so in adjustment you know there's a lot going on there's a lot to to be sort of uh thinking about or adjusting to but uh we can make life considerably harder for ourselves by really focusing on 
aspects that we can't control. So it can be really, really helpful to have a think about, um, you know, what are the things that I can control and put energy there? But what's the stuff that I can't control, like how tired I might feel later? And do I want to put my energy there? Or is in fact that wasting kind of a scarce resource on that day? You know, and I think the this idea of the mountaineer climbing up the mountain in a way with parenthood what's really helpful about it is that very often people say and it's certainly my experience that it's you're really only knowing and kind of in contact with the children you have at that particular moment so when I see people with children who are a bit younger than mine sort of already slightly forgotten what it's like to have children at that age um, because you sort of shift and adjust with them and and that's sort of what's happening that you are absolutely not focused on the summit but you're doing your best in the here and now and sometimes that works all right sometimes it's a bit messy um, but that's that's where you are and that's also where you can impact change and you know I think in terms of the sort of looking back on your childhood like you were saying earlier and kind of what would you looking back sort of um when your children are grown up and what you want them to how would you like to be described you know in their voices as a Mm. a parent and think back no I think you're right and I think that's also something that's really important to model to them because you Mm. know if you've got a sort of four-year-old who's going to school in two terms time Mm. you know do you want them to be sort of worrying about it and by all means there's Mm. that fine line between you want to prepare to make mm. the future as sort of seamless as possible. Mm. But at the same time, there's only a certain amount you can do. Mm. There's only a finite amount of preparation that you can do. It's like going on a trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you say you're backpacking. You can work out where you're going. Mm. But actually, if you put too many plans in action and you worry about the exact, you know, that makes the whole thing so much more stressful and less enjoyable than sort of being able to act on a whim and go, well, today I feel like this. Absolutely. So that's the sort of practical steps that you can do that just take the pressure off at the time brilliant but you know in terms of thinking about your child going to school or we talk in the class obviously a lot about emotional preparation of a like a young child for a sibling I think because we worry about it so much as parents we can start sort of talking to about them about it far too far in advance when they've got you know it's very abstract and six months away and you know so really of course, it's, imp- it's really important to talk to your children about change that's happening, but also acknowledge that they will experience it, you will be there with them. And I think as well to know for yourself and for children as well that emotions get thrown up when things change. So we talked about anxiety and how that's always natural around change. But also there's all other, lots of other kinds of emotions that come up. There's sort of loss for changes, you know, things that you've left in the past. Um, guilt, of course, a big one mm-hmm. uh, for parents. You know, all of these things come up and I think it's helpful to remember that emotions show up when something is important to us, you know. If the change is mild and something's happening but we don't really care about it, we're not going to have strong emotions about it. If you feel strongly about something, that tells you something that really matters to you. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, of course, in terms of parenthood, of course the emotions are going to be strong, you know, because 
this matters. Well, it's the job we care about the most, isn't it? Absolutely. It matters more that we get this job right than kind of pretty much anything else mm. in the world. Exactly. And so it's going to trigger hugely strong feelings. Um, and and so it's so important to allow those feelings, to know that that's normal, um, to feel them. And, and, you know, of course, to let them go as well, to let them pass. I think very often we can have a sense that if we're feeling something or having an uncomfortable feeling, that's somehow us not coping. Actually, that's you being a human being and you care about something and so you're feeling something about it. And I think very often what we do is we add these kind of secondary layers of stress on top of things. So in your uh, the sleep example, you're tired and you've not slept much, but at the moment you're sort of doing okay. But you could get really anxious about being tired later. So you've introduced another layer of difficulty about what's going on. So for example, um, in another example, you could feel um, nervous about your first day at home with two children, say. Um, maybe your partner's gone back to work, but then you could feel, and of course that's really normal, of course you feel anxious, it's new, it's a bit daunting and that's totally fine but you could then feel quite cross with yourself for feeling nervous you could feel like oh come on you've had a baby these are your children you should be able to look after them you could get quite cross about that and again that's a sort of an extra layer we put on the sort of totally reasonable first layer which is of course you'll feel worried so often it's really helpful to be to try to be as accepting as possible with the feelings that are coming up um and allow those to be. Yeah, sort of embrace them as opposed to yeah. try and change them, mm. acknowledge them. Yeah, absolutely. Almost welcome them because actually we wouldn't have survived as a human species if we didn't get worried, mm. we didn't get anxious, if we didn't anticipate, you know, the, the, the difficulty of, of adjustment. Mm. All of these. So these are just our survival instincts. Exactly. And they're all here to tell us things and as I you know as I said I think it's really helpful to remember that they're usually telling us something that really matters to us so if you're feeling really guilty because you just lost your patience and shouted at one of your children it can be quite helpful to ask yourself what does that tell me about my values as a parent what does that tell me is really important to me you know and it may be that that because you you know you really don't want to be like that with your child it's because you really really want your child to feel kind of comfortable and um safe and things like that and it could really tell you a bit about what matters to you in your parenting and of course you know with parenting and there being no such thing as the sort of perfect parent it's all in the repair it's all in the repair so you can if you're able to get in touch with your value at that point um you know, actually, it's important to me. I really want to be really compassionate when they're getting kind of, um, when they're having a hard day. But I just shouted, well, okay, so I remember actually this is the reason, you know, I feel guilty because I really care about being compassionate. So maybe now I'll do something, kind yeah. of I'll come back to them mm. and be compassionate and acknowledge, look, I didn't, you know, I don't 
feel good about the fact that I did that you know I was just getting really cross but what really matters to me is that you know how much I care about you you can have these types of conversations Mm. you know and so obviously some people find this adjustment easier Mm. um some of it some people will find it a little bit harder and if you are struggling I mean it's quite an abstract kind of notion and Mm. very often especially as a couple having some kind of outside advice is is really helpful um where where would you say that would be a good place for for extra help how Mm. how would people get help absolutely I mean I think I think so as you say you know there's all kinds of fluctuations of finding things okay finding things difficult and that's totally totally natural process but if you find yourself really stuck so if you have that feeling of feeling really really stuck like you have a sense of sort of where you want to be or as a couple or what where you need to go to but you just don't know how to get there it can be really helpful to ask for help at that point um so I mean, if it's a couple, then um, you could look for uh, local um, therapy. Mm -hmm. Couples Uh, therapy. Couples therapy. You can um, find there's organisations like Relate, um, but also you may find there's other sort of private um, organisations near to you. I will often meet with people, um, couples, at, at, you know, around parenting. And I think it's because it's such a tricky time, lots of uh, any sort of psychologists and therapists who work with couples will have a, you know, be well sort of aware of the types of issues that can throw up, um, can be thrown up for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, for, and you can, you can find those therapists as well on there's certain sort of websites of accredited psychologists what would you search for so in terms of you're a couple and you think actually do you know what let's um let's see if we can go and speak to somebody um you can go on the british psychological society website um or there's also the bacp website and both of those websites have um if you just search for those terms, you can search locally to you. You put in your postcode and they can show you the types of therapists and what they offer kind of in and near you. Yeah. Um, that can be helpful. Um, sometimes GPs might have recommendations. Yeah. Um, but less so for couples, I would say. Um, and of course, if you're finding things difficult within yourself as well, um, if you're finding um, the anxieties sort of not subsiding and is really difficult and and, uh, making it difficult for you to um, live in the way that you want to Um, then and likewise with mood of course as well um, if you're feeling low um, and and finding this difficult then then that can be um, it's important to go and speak to you know perhaps a GP Mm -hmm. Um, but as well those same websites where you can also find therapists in your area who are who are accredited and uh will be sort of held up particular uh standards of practice mm-hmm. and things like that in terms of teaching our children how mm. to adjust to mm. to change i mean it's something that is an inevitable part of their lives and actually the better they can adjust to change um the easier and happier their lives will be mm. I mean, we talked about sort of modeling the sort of kind of behavior and that's probably the most important thing we can mm. do is there anything else that can help was, them yeah I was thinking about this I think so modeling absolutely but I think as well um allowing them to find it hard and to talk about it is really important as well so 
teaching them a kind of like a language, a way of being able to talk about things being challenging, things being difficult. How do they feel? Can they name the feelings as they come up? And can you normalize that for them? Um, And of course, you can do that by helping them to recognize what feelings are coming up for them and and name them over their, their life, but also by modeling too. So by being pretty open and saying, oh, you know, I just felt really cross when that happened. And, you know, I feel quite cross now, but I guess that's okay because it's just because it really matters to me. And you can say these things kind of out loud, verbalize some of this stuff rather than feeling like you can't ever show them that you're feeling anything other than calm you know it's quite helpful for them to see that that you can do things in spite of you know I feel really really angry um but you know I'm still in charge of what my arms and my legs do I can still go and do this thing I have to do because it matters to me and our family whilst I feel angry you know so really to model that emotions coming up don't mean panic you know what do we do now that's fine to have those feelings it's totally uh natural and and I think all of the bits that we were talking about you know if they can if your children can communicate if they can access care and relationships around them if they if you can model all of this um sort of not having too rigid expectations of being kind to yourself all of that stuff will really set them up in in good stead perfect well it's been so lovely to chat to you if uh, Fran people you you practice privately don't you I do yeah um where do people can people find out a bit more about what you do um I've got a website so that's um www.fransmithpsychology.com just one word so there's there's some information there and a contact form yeah and if they just google Dr Fran Smith they'll find you won't they yes yeah Yeah. absolutely and you do obviously one-to-one Um, But you can also do Skype consultations, is that right? Yeah, so particularly I find when working with parents and um, new parents, it's it's really, really tricky to kind of make appointments and things like that. So I'm often doing sessions with people whilst they're feeding their babies and things like that. And um, it's just important, I think, that people can access the sort of support that they need that's kind of flexible as well to, to their needs at the time. And often that is being at home when you've just had a baby. And do you think that works as well as seeing someone face-to-face? I don't think it works as well, if I'm completely honest. I think it's really helpful. Um, But what I would always like to do is meet with people in person at least once. So I think it's very important when, when you meet and you make that connection. In therapy, really, the most important thing is that you build a rapport, that you build a relationship, you know, of trust and things like that. I think it's really important to meet face-to-face. So what I typically do is I'd want to meet people beforehand uh, face-to-face and if Skype's what's going to work best, then we'll do that. And it can it can work really, really well, but I, I like to intersperse it with um, appointments in person as well. Um, but I think it's great and flexible if it's between that and, and sort of not accessing it, then, then of course it's, you know, it's much more helpful. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been really great and uh, really illuminating talking to you. I've taken away quite a lot of food for thought and I particularly love the notion that, you know, it's normal to get stressed by it and actually just to embrace those emotions that have kept us alive is, is something that, 
you sort of bizarrely forget about, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, thank you, and um, thanks for having me. It's a it's pleasure. Great. Thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. If you have a moment and you enjoyed this episode, uh, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. It really helps other people find us, uh, boosting us in the charts. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Fran and me, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.